Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's new, new show. It's kind of an old show. It's uh, Cinema Bias with myself, Video Drew, and Alex Mack. Please enjoy. Check us out wherever you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, what have you. Like and rate and leave a review. That's like a thing you can do on podcasts. And make sure to also check out patreon.com backslash video drew to find out ways that you can support this channel, which is growing. Okay, end of thing. Everybody. Hi, welcome to Cinema Bias. Now starring Cinema Bias Doggy. Yay! <gasps> yes, he's a Cinema Bias Doggy. And Alex, too. And it's great to see you, too, Alex. I, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not really here. I'm just here for the dogs. Like, um, yeah, this is, this is the one week we're going to have one dog. Next week, there will be two of them. So we're just going to keep getting Cinema Bias Doggies. Uh, and guys, if you want to um, donate, we have uh, Streamlabs open tonight as well as Super Chats. Ooh. So uh, yeah, donate and maybe the dog can be the new co-host. Nobody needs me on the show. They, um, they just actually, they should be, there are replacements actually. So before we get started for this week, we want to play our little intro videos. Really, uh, Alex? We're going to play it yeah, right. Nice. No one wants them. Yeah, let's do it. Now, making that video for us it's so good mm-hmm. yes thank um, you so much. how are you alex i know you're, you've gone through a whole pro you're doing a whole thing right now you're doing a whole, yes. yeah. i i am doing a lot of stuff right now i'm actually at my dad's right now hence my new environment mm-hmm. and um it's been doing pretty good uh, you know outside of packing and boxing and just moving stuff into a huge u-haul truck it's actually yeah. nice to take a mandatory break every once in a while and just plop yourself down somewhere and watch a movie yes <laughs> mandatory break i.e what my life like you know when you're focused and in the zone sometimes you forget yeah. and you're like oh, oh it's been 12 hours what yeah <laughs> definitely that's definitely happened to me i mean look i moved like five or six times in the last uh, like five or six years i did like one and they were all cross country it was like new york mm-hmm. to la to new york to yeah. la like i lost so many things it was so frustrating i think i lost my mind most of all but it uh so i feel for you out. is it I it's see- like pieces here and there and like new york and Seattle or something or mm-hmm. they just like railed everywhere in between and you're doing it during a pandemic so that that ain't easy guys so yeah kick in a couple of bucks for donations uh we're talking tonight about a movie uh I I really liked and I wanted to share with Alex but before that uh let's talk a little bit about what this show is uh Cinema Bias is a show that me and Alex started I think like a year ago we have to change we have to check the exact date for the anniversary but I'm pretty sure it was almost exactly a year ago that we started doing this with Videodrome I feel like it's an 
April for some reason. Okay, maybe, maybe it was April. That's possible. Um, but, but it was basically to, to I wanted to fill in my blind spots of certain kinds of movies. And I know that you and I have very, very different tastes, um, except mm-hmm. when it comes to like Silence of the Lambs, which we both like grew up on. Uh, but, <laughs> and, American uh, Psycho. <laughs> and American Psycho, yes. American Psycho and Silence of the Lambs, the one place where me and Alex can just get down about how much we love it. <laughs> just reminds me of childhood. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, Trevor. So yeah, so uh, we started this about a year ago and it was about like me showing Alex the movies. I love Alex showing me the movies she loves and sort of meeting in the middle and filling in each other's blind spots when it comes to certain types of movies that we may uh, consciously or unconsciously sort of avoid or have a bias against or just not see. And some of these things are not motivated by anything other than we don't like the genres or I don't, I personally don't like to get sad. I don't like watching movies that make me sad. So this one was a real... This is a real tearjerker one because we are talking about um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom tonight, which is uh, a 2020 August Wilson adaptation by George C. Wolfe, um, starring the late great Chadwick Boseman and his final performance, as well as Viola Davis. Uh, It's probably going to get a lot of I mean, it's definitely gotten like a lot of buzz for being shortlisted on the Oscars. Uh, I'm going to guess it's going to win a lot. But uh, yeah, Alex, this is, I guess, the part of the show where we talk about what are biases uh, against uh, about this kind of movie? Now yeah. uh, we have the month of February covering movies that fall into the terminology of black cinema, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's been it's actually been really interesting and really fun and really cool to see different kinds of movies than I think uh, normally I experience or I uh, get exposed to. Uh, what about yourself? Did you? I I was super excited last week. We covered Superfly, and I was yeah. so. <laughs> we covered it um because i was watching the black sun exhibition match just mm-hmm. a few days ago and I was like, mm-hmm. it was like this Suddenly i know more answers <laughs> and yeah, i was I mean, very excited i got it <laughs> look i mean this this is not gonna lie the schmodown has always been a big motivator for why i want to ever watch movies outside of my interests because there's no reason that i uh, an uncurious mind would necessarily watch movies that don't immediately appeal to me. But I think this year has been really helpful in like teaching me that, that there are certain kinds of movies that I don't think I would like, but then I mm-hmm. absolutely love. And this movie yes. was one of them. I watched this movie and was like, I think Eric was, was there in the room. I could just being like, Oh my God, he's so good. Chadwick, Chadwick is so good, but he's so skinny, but he's so good. Uh, yeah. I loved it. Um, I so who worked on the uh, on for the makeup for this movie, but the makeup behind this, and we're going to cover a little bit later. But the makeup oh my behind god, this, her makeup in that, she looks it. like a Gotham villain. She they, they really did such a good that. job. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, I, like obviously, I would never do blackface or anything along those lines. But same time, I was yep. like, this is this is a this is it was a vibe, and I was really into it was this a whole vibe. look. It was very like um, I'll try to pull up a picture. It was very like uh, you know, Flashpoint Martha Wayne Viola Davis, mm-hmm. uh, and it. Purposely not incredibly scary. It's it's a very intimidating look. Her her teeth, her her I got her golden eyebrows. They were really really high. The I mean, we'll get into it, but I really I had a moment in this movie where I was just like, why is like at the very beginning I was like, why didn't they go with Octavia Spencer? Why did they go with Viola Davis? Just because the character seems like a much more Octavia Spencer kind of character. Like it's a much more flamboyant kind of character. She looks like she's a bit she's a bit rounder than than Viola Davis uh, is. Uh, I feel like in real life, but I mean, they she just killed this role. She slayed it so hard. Uh, I loved every yeah. second of it. But let's get into it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about. Let's see. I'm pulling up the picture. 
what 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 makes you want to see or not want to see movies like this, Alex? I know this one's based on a play, which can be kind of difficult mm-hmm. for some people because uh, mm-hmm. that means usually the location is kind of set and it's very talkative. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of talking. Uh, let's well, see. So some of my biases going into this is that I didn't want to see it at all. Not so much. It was nothing to do with the the movie itself. It was just knowing that it was Chadwick Boseman's last, last film. And so I kept putting it off. I was like, I do not want to cry. I do not want to get depressed watching this. Yeah. I do not want to ruin my day. <laughs> because, I, because Chadwick Boseman, like a lot of people, is definitely an actor that means a lot to... Mm-hmm a lot of people yeah. <laughs> and knowing especially when it comes to the filming of this this movie in particular knowing that he was in around he was in year three four year of colon cancer mm-hmm. makes watching this movie in particular very difficult to watch yeah. because obviously making any movie uh, any physical movie is very, very troublesome, but there's several really hard monologues that we listen to from characters, well, if you are the characters and we were just watching him react and it's just gut wrenching. And I knew also going, thing is another thing I also knew going into it is that it was based off a play, um, uh, the the same title by August Wilson, who also, um, uh, who also wrote another Oscar winning, movie play turned movie which is fences which starred viola davis which got her yep. her oscar <laughs> yep so, uh, it was it was it wasn't directed by the same person right that's no it was not knights and redundant knights and redundant yeah i got well, the fences name was directed wait i thought fences was directed by denzel no 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 i'm saying well not fences uh i'm saying this director directed knights and redundant redundant <gasps> got it uh george c wolf is that? George C. Yeah. Wolf. Yeah, his name sounds way too much like George C. Scott. Uh, he's the the director of The Public, which if anybody knows stuff about Hamilton, it's where Hamilton got its start before mm-hmm. it was on Broadway. It's like this experimental yes. Broadway off Broadway theater. It's really cool. So this that's where this guy's background is. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, pretty awesome. But you know, uh, I would say yeah. My my thing is I'm not a I, I like plays. I like going to see theater. I'm mm-hmm. generally not one of these people who loves 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 to see movies made about theater. Like that yes. are that are adapted from plays because I think they can be really like it, it's like always like a workaround. Like if you've ever seen The Company of Men or mm-hmm. uh, I actually really love House of Yes, but like there's a lot of movies where it's just like you can tell it's a play because people are talking a lot and they're not moving from like one room and like it seems like they should be able to like leave the room, but they're just not. Yeah. They're staying in place and like the camera's mm-hmm. cutting away, but like everyone's just monologuing. And I thought that this was going to be what the movie felt like, but it actually had some really dynamic, uh, 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 Eric was pointing out, like really dynamic visual elements. Like they would cut away, mm-hmm. they would uh, show exterior things that probably weren't in the play. They were just like used as like, a, you know, extraneous things of like people going out and getting soda and like, you know, these little moments mm-hmm. where in the play, you probably actually have like, maybe if the policeman even had a line of dialogue, it'd be a policeman coming into the into the mm-hmm. recording studio saying a line of dialogue and then leaving the stage. But this, they were mm-hmm. able to do like outside the stage. They were able to have scenes that took place outside the theater. It was really good. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a movie that I, I feel like you have to be in the mood to go into. You can't be having it. You can't just casually put this on TV and be just go about your day. You can't watch no, this. And you're also doing the dishes or anything. Mm-hmm. You have to sit, you have to sit on the couch or whatever it might be. And watch this with intent mm-hmm. and it, it's 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 a hard watch it's a hard 
Uh, several people in the comments are saying that they didn't even realize that was Viola Davis until like the end of the movie. Yeah, I mean, she is transformative in this. Like, you would not, unless you like know. I mean, she's transformed. I, the makeup person did a fantastic job, and she probably will. I think she's definitely gonna be nominated. I think she'll probably win. Um, I, I, I I do know. I'm, I'm sure there's Carrie Mulligan's been talked about quite a Carrie bit. Mulligan's great. I don't think nomination. I think Carrie Mulligan's great, and I love that movie. And I think that there's a lot of mm-hmm. undue criticism lobbied at uh, uh, Promising Young Woman, but mm-hmm. I don't think that she it does a better performance than Viola does in this movie. It's a very different performance and yeah. a very different vibe. I mean, obviously for the movie overall, but yeah. there's something the Viola Davis, I think she does not only just an overall very transformative uh, character with Ma Rainey, but it's her attitude, her physicality behind of it. The way she walks, the way she walks that fan, it yeah. is, and the way she just stands while getting ready to sing is yeah. it's really, it's really intense. And, uh, and she, um, um, but she is also terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> the way That's what I was going to say. I mean, what, what struck me is that it really is this movie about, and this is why I really, this, well, you know what, how about before we get into it? Because yes. I do, there's a really interesting conversation we have about yeah. like the role of predator and prey in this movie, and like who is being yeah. and who is being taken advantage of, and who is being exploited. Uh, but yeah. before we get to that, because we do want to do this this fun little game where we explain the plot uh, in 60 oh. seconds. Um, oh, this one, man. this one should be pretty easy, man, because like it's it's you know it takes place in essentially one place, and not not too too much happens. So let's see if we yeah. can get there. I feel uh, like you can. I feel like you can do it. Let me um pull up. I don't know if we have a. I don't know how. Uh, uh, he used to do this clock thing. Wait, is this it? That was wrong. Wrong thing. Um, I don't actually know how he did the clock thing, so I'm just going to put a, a minute up on my timer, and we'll get started. Okay. So, one minute, starting now. All right, so it's set in the 1920s in some U.S. city, and we find out that Ma Raining is, uh, she's a very popular, very well-known blues singer at that time, specifically by within the Black community. Now, she's in the process of trying to get, make some new, record some new songs, essentially. And she has a very interesting relationship with uh, her band members and so her driver. That's also, I think, her nephew or something like that. But it's constantly a power struggle when she goes to the recording studio, a power struggle between her recorders. And the band members have a lot of their own um, interesting dynamic between each other. There's a lot of interesting conversations about how they got to that place, criticizing each other's the way they work their instruments, their outfits, how they came to be, and what their long-term goals and ambitions are. And so by the end of it, it's just them trying to interacting and them swapping stories. And by the end, they record a record, they record a song that they're working on. Ish. Okay. And Chadwick Boseman is in it. Um, I I couldn't remember his name. Okay. Okay. I feel like that's a, that's a good that's a good telling of the the story from that's Ma Rainey's perspective. Um, yeah, which, which is yeah. a good half of the movie. Uh, yeah. The other half of the movie is that we are getting uh, the eyes of yeah. I, I also like am bad with names, character names. That's not my. Okay, not my wait. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's so Levy. Levy. Yeah, it's Levi. It's Levy. So Levy is a trumpeter uh, who's in Ma Rainey's band. He's sort of like 
he's sort of like this like young upstart, like he's trying to break into the industry and he doesn't really think that he needs like Ma and like he doesn't want to play the songs her way. And she's like a very stubborn woman. She's stubborn with the white folk who want to record her music and like sort of like use her for her music. And she just like, but she's being like very abusive to them. And she, and in this movie and the way it's portrayed, like the, and I think it, the way it's written in the play is like the white folk are like the two white recording managers are very like, they, they're very cowtailed by her. Like they do whatever she asks and they're sort of like beaten into submission by her. But it is a bigger commentary about how even when that is happening, she's still the one being taken advantage of. Uh, Levi comes in with his own baggage and drama, uh, his mom having been raped uh, by a bunch of share uh, robbers and his father uh, having uh, smiled, sold the land to the sharecrop farmers, back to them, moved out of town and then went back into the woods one night and like went and killed eight of them before several more of them got them and uh, hung and burned his father. So he's coming with that perspective of, you know, fuck the man or whatever. And he uh, has some songs that he's trying to sell on his own. Um, and sort of, it's kind of building up into this boiling pot of stuff. Uh, Ma Rainey's also uh, implied that she's a lesbian. She's having an affair with uh, this, the one of the singers in the band, who's now also hooking up with Levi over the course of this recording session. And basically what happens is by the end of the recording session, Levi gets fired by Ma. Um, and he finds out that his song that he gave to the white uh, producers they don't want to have him sing it, but they're willing to pay him five dollars to take it off to take it off their hands for like take it off of his it's hands. Essentially, just do like you know the Chuck Berry, you know, just do the thing that's happened throughout history of just like use the black person's music and, and white people will steal it. Uh, and yes. he gets so upset and he gets so fed up that he ends up stabbing uh, one of the, uh, the the piano player in the band, who's like totally blameless guy for stepping on his shoes in like a pretty apt metaphor. Uh, and so, and at the end of the movie, we see uh, the, the his song being played. It's being sung by a white uh, musician in a band. And the implication there is that, you know, he probably ended up dead or in jail and they did end up taking his song and, and you know, uh, co-opting it for the white experience. So no matter how nice these white people seemed uh, to Ma and to the band, they ultimately have their privilege uh, to do that, that. So I feel like that's like the major themes of this, of this story. Um, mm -hmm. And it's pretty, it's really well done. Like I said, like it's, it's, it's hard to watch because of uh, like, I, when I pull up a picture of Chadwick, you can see just like he is gaunt. Like he is so, it's like upsetting how skinny he is uh, in this movie. Like you're just he's so, he's so tiny. But the thing is, he's got this energy to him where he's just like, he's like yeah. a live wire. You're like watching him and it's like, it's like watching someone like literally ooze life out of them. Like they are just like, like just mm -hmm. jolting life. Like he's just so alive in this film that I feel like it's sort of like the, the embodiment of the Chadwick Boseman thing where like he is so alive and he's such a testament to life because he was going through all this while knowing that he was, you know, like in a, in a sort of death process. Um, and I think this movie is like a great culmination of, of that moment for him. Um, and it's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant portrayal. I mean, he's so good in this. And I don't, I was watching him. I'm like, he, he seems like he should barely be able to stand up. And yet he's like putting on this like gigantic act. It's emotionally taxing scenes that start off on like, you know, at an eight and go to a 20 and like, mm -hmm. you know, and then he's crying and he's laughing and he's doing these monologues that are incredibly gut-wrenching to do on Broadway. That's why they give Tony awards to people who do like yeah. August Wilson plays. Well, yeah. he is a theater actor, and it makes sense. He was before he was cast in 
in Black Panther, he actually literally thought he he literally because he's a he was mentored. He is mentored. He was met. Sorry, he was was mentored by. Denzel Washington. He's given a full right scholarship. He was sponsored um, through a scholarship by Denzel Washington. Right. And that's he was able to go to the college, um, the acting school of his. Of his uh, and Denzel uh, didn't even know that until later, even though he like gone and thanked Denzel like as a student. Denzel didn't realize that that was Chadwick Boseman who he had like helped pay for because it was like just through mm -hmm. a scholarship program and that Denzel. He, and he yeah. produced this movie. Did he? Uh, yeah. He might have. He did. It was oh, it's wow. credits, and I was like, "Oh, look at that!" I mean, it makes sense. Denzel seems like the kind of person that would like August Wilson plays. Like you mentioned, Fences and Viola, and like mm -hmm. this is this all, this all, this is all very like. I think one of my things like about watching movies like this before is that it seems very Oscar baity, and that it seems very prestige. It seems very highbrow. This seems very like it's not going to be any fun because this is mm -hmm. all about like making you cry. And you know, in the nineties, uh, like it might have been like the it might have been the uh, you know, color purple kind of movies. But Absolutely. I feel like specifically because this isn't a Steven Spielberg movie that's trying to like portray blackness without actually being black. This movie is actually like, like Hamstract says, like it feels like very real. Like you feel mm -hmm. these characters being embodied. George C. Scott uh, is, uh, George C. Wolf is such a great director. Like you feel the, the, the truth of this story that was written how many years ago? Like you feel the truth of that, like coming true mm -hmm. today. And you feel these characters really being embodied. None of it feels like it's a, like uh, a show or like a performance of like theatricality. Well, I, I, I definitely 100% agree. It's, it, in spite of it having a lot of these really bold characters, mm -hmm. it's a very subtle performance at the same time, which is really interesting. Like you said, he's at a, he starts off in an eight and then he goes to a 20 in a matter of like 10, 15 minutes. And you see the way his character really progresses from, from one end to the other so aggressively so where he started off so optimistic and he's trying so hard and he's like i have dreams i have goals to and i have plans to get from point a to point b i'm not yeah. being purposeful yeah. and yeah. then he had been slowly slowly chipped away at that um while also he when he's interacting with these other musicians and he keeps telling these other musicians hey i'm not going to be like you i'm gonna actually take yeah. care of I'm going to take care of the way I look. I am going to be where the she shoes, is. The shoes. Yeah, the nice shoes. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, the, the, what's really fascinating about this film is because... Oh, one, one quick second. Because specifically... Hope you can still hear me. Um, because specifically, this is a movie that really focuses only like on two black characters and they don't really have that much screen time. It seems that like the movie is like... To them, essentially, it's, it's well, it's, it's reacting to the society of whiteness and like and what white people have have done to the culture that have pit black. Mm -hmm. Like there can only be one great black musician, and they have to like fight amongst themselves, and you can only do things yeah. a certain way as a black person. Like the whiteness is omnipresent without it ever having to be anything more than just like a light touch of like this nebbishy looking producer being like whatever you say, ma, and like it's seeming like on the surface like the opposite of what's what's actually going on. But if you have any idea of what happens in America or like what this, this country is all about. Like, of course these producers seem nice. And of course they want to get Maz uh, to sign, you know, at the end she's like refusing to sign the releases, even though they've given her the cash, they've done everything she's asked. She asked for the money in, in cash and not check. And which is like very unusual at the time. And they like, just hand it over. Like, you know, there's one guy who's like a little bit more, oh, sorry, this lighting is getting weird. There's like one guy, one of the producers is a little bit more, uh, God, 
a little bit more. Hey, thanks, Weston. Let's see. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever, indeed. One mm. of the producers is uh, more uh, sort of a jerk than the other one, but we don't see him as much. And, yeah. like, you know, yeah, go ahead. Well, it wasn't so much. I, I do think that he, it's not so much that he is a jerk. I, I although I do think he's a jerk, if that makes sense. But it, it's more like he hasn't really worked with her as extensively. And so he, he sees a lot of this behavior and he's like, this is just unacceptable. This is the worst. She's being unprofessional. She's doing X, Y, Z. And it's ridiculous. And to she be clear, been- she is. She's a, she's a tyrant. Yeah, she, she like shows up. She, she acts like she's actually like Mick Jagger. She won't like do anything without like getting a Coca Cola first. She's thirty minutes late. She's acting mm-hmm. like a, a diva in a way that you were kind of like spend the entire play being like, are they gonna kill her? Like, is she allowed to act like this? And that's that pivotal question: is like she allowed to act like this? And it's like, well, she's mm-hmm. allowed because she has something that they want in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ma Rainey was a real position. Sorry, and they don't have it yet. And they don't have it yet. Right, exactly. And and But she knows that. And so the whole movie is really just her, like, you know, just milking it out to the last second, knowing that once she signs away this contract, that, you know, they don't really, they can use her songs wherever they want. Like, the white man will have her music. And so she's taking this, you know, and she has several monologues about it. Like, you know, because Levi has a different way of, like, smiling to the white man and being like, you know, yes, sir, and, like, whatever. And, uh, and he's like, don't worry, I know how to play this. But she's playing a totally different game, knowing that this is, you know, a limited amount of time that she has to exert power. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it, it's really of a very difficult time for her during that time, obviously. Mm-hmm. During this time, it's also kind of, it's not said outright that she is a lesbian or anything. Yeah. Well, this but um, it's like very again. It's it's the way she coddles her. It's the way they kind of where she's kind of where she's kind of hugging yeah. her line, and there's like that focus, and she's like, "I will buy you stuff." Hey, and, and imagine, imagine, imagine the fact that it's all that none of that's in like the dialogue. So when you're doing this as a play, it's like really up to the interpretation of whoever's putting on the play. It can be subtle. It can be just sort of like, "I'll buy you whatever you want," like and like she rubs her feet, or it can be. Like, really heavy-handed you know you're gonna need some jewelry and some new dresses for when we go to nashville don't you yeah i mean like the whole thing with you know it's it's you know there's obviously some interplay between her jealousy uh about like levi being a man and 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 the attraction that her that her singer has to levi as well as her wanting to even though her she has this her like you said her driver her nephew has a he has this terrible speech impediment and yet she's the intro of a song that levi says that he can just play as a as a trumpet thing and she's like nope i want my like nephew he's going to say the intro like entered now introducing ma rainey and like he just can't get the words out and it's excruciating and you're why is she doing like why is she torturing her nephew why is she torturing everybody but the fact is because she's to her it's not torturing it to her she's made a promise to her sister that she's going to make her nephew in the band she's just going to She's going to wait there all day if he needs mm-hmm. that. And it's not about putting him on the spot. It's about the fact that she can exert that power for this one day only. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's. I, I definitely agree that the flex is real throughout the entire the thing. Watching her, and watching her gulp down that Coca-Cola so yeah. gratuitously. Oh, my God. Well, and it's so it's so overly sensual. It's I mean it's great. It's 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 yeah. really of like what you're not supposed to do as a professional or as a person of color, you know, yeah. during this time period. Yeah, it's really it's the way it's really unique the way they kind of go about it, and it, it's very purposeful. And the uh, 
so it, there's a there's a process behind behind. Okay, so Ma Rainey is trying to flex. Levy is trying to flex. Yes, the girl is trying to flex. Everyone's trying to flex yep. on each other. It's and whether it be yeah. through their through trying to ex exert their power or in the band, it's just the dynamic between the guys where they're where Levy he's trying to talk about his his plans for the future, and the other guys are like, sure, bud, okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Flex <laughs> is a great word on it too. That's the perfect word for it because what they're doing is they they can't. They can't, they have no actual power and agency. It's never stated directly, but that's really the undercurrent of this movie. And what comes across with Levi is there is no actual power and agency that these that these people have mm -hmm. in at writ large. They just have it, you know, for these momentary periods of time. So they're yeah. trying to prove to one another this thing that they sort of can't admit to themselves, or maybe Ma is able to admit to herself, but Levi certainly has not been able to, to oh. sort of grapple with. To a certain extent, there's like certain conversations where they seem like they're trying to almost outdo each other. They absolutely um, are. They absolutely are because there's no one else who can't prove themselves to be the white person, you know? Exactly. And there's they're trying also as far as trying to because they all because the uh, because they all want a certain kind of reaction from the recorders, the two white guys. Yeah, this movie. They they all are trying to get a specific reaction, and whether it be it like I, I I want you to have let me record my music yeah. here, buy my music, or whatever the situation or whatever the situation is, but they're going about it in very different ways. One person mm -hmm. is doing it because of their successful career. Obviously, they're exerting power and influence, being like, "Hey, you." can't do this without me. Therefore, I'm going to do whatever the heck I want for the right. for this little period of time versus Chadwick Boseman. He's trying to play the long game. He's trying to be yeah. nice about it. He's like, he's doing the yes, sir. No, sir. Yeah. And then there's the special musicians who are just really like, let's make sure we get our check. Like, let's be professional. Like, they're the ones that are showing yeah. up. They're like a cutter is like, I think the embodiment of it. Uh, you know, he's like the one who like is the, he believes in God and Jesus. And like, there's this check amazing the speech. Chadwick has about about God and that's when he first brings out this knife it's like the Chekhov's knife of the show um mm -hmm. I, I I'm just moving straight along to this section because it's just it is so good that there's just so much here that is about it's it's about show not tell even though they are just talking like it is about the ways that they act one way when they're in front of the recording studio and then in front mm -hmm. of each other they start immediately acting like something else like Chad that's why Chadwick yeah. turns that's why his character turns cool. and stabs somebody. It's not because he's angry at the guy. It's because he feels like the guy, you know, in a metaphorical and literal way, is stepping on his toes. Ma has stepped on his toes. He's she's stepped on his ability to become famous, even well, because he's not even realize it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This movie is a movie for for a movie that has very little actual fights or anything like that. It's not like Fight Club. It's not like a Mission Impossible movie or Rocky or anything like that. It's a movie that's filled with a lot of underlying rage yeah. the entire time. And yeah. it just it gets, and they're literally stuck in this place where they can't leave. They literally yeah. can't, they, they're not leaving until they finish this product, this yeah. service, whatever it may be. And even when he tries, I'm, I'm kind of leaving, I guess, figuring out. He tries to leave. Oh, God. And that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's the kind of stuff that is. And he's like, it, oh, that's the kind of thing that you cannot imagine seeing on stage because what, what she's yeah. talking about is the scene where Levi gets fired. And so he tries to leave the recording studio and he breaks down this like exit 
and he hits this like little vestibule and it's just a brick wall. And it's mm-hmm. such a impactful, like compelling moment because yeah, I mean like as a visual metaphor, it, and it's so more like in a sub basement, just hitting a brick wall. It's, um, it's like very, it's so terrifying. And he, he just looks at the sky above and he's like, oh fuck. Like he's never getting out. Like he's yeah. never getting out of it. Um, it, yeah, it's you feel like just going deeper and deeper as a result. Yeah. I mean, you, you see these dynamics and they play out. I mean, I'm not trying to like sound like a, a film person, like a like I feel like I'm sounding like a very pretentious film student right now because I really did like uh, react to this movie in like a very, it had like a meaningful effect on me where I was like, yes, this is how a movie should be made. Like, look at how well it's being crafted and look at how this story is being told and like, look at all these elements that are like really Yeah, look at how this theater director is incorporating the theatrical elements while still adding like a level of, uh, you know, cinematic, uh, you know, wherewithal to make this like a almost more compelling story and more visually interesting story. It's just, mm-hmm. it really worked for me. Um, the, the moment where he brings out the knife, and he, like you said, this is not a movie that has a ton of action in it. They're mostly just recording. And as William Harold saying in the comment, there's this one part where the, the cousin or the nephew finally gets out the intro and he does it perfectly. And then they find out the wire uh, leading up to his microphone has been severed. They blame him afraid. right away. They blame Levi. It's not, it does turns out, well, it's, it's ambiguous, but it's not, it doesn't seem like it's actually Levi's fault. It was frayed beforehand, but Levi's the one that was jumping around. So they immediately, Ma turns on Levi and Cutter turns on Levi. And so he's getting sort of the rough end of the deal. And he's the one that really is trying to impress the white producers. And so, and the white producers are saying, it's not our problem, you know? So it's, the whole thing is just sort of like a simmering pot. Like it's just, you're just waiting for these tensions to boil over. And when they eventually do, it's like misdirected rage because of course, like this sort of meta, I mean, uh, commentary on black on black violence is all about how it's not really about fighting other black people. It's about the fact that like, you're not given the ability to, to fight against like the, the oppressive white system. It's, it, it's, it's about, it's a bigger picture for sure. It's never about this, these small situations. Um, uh, in these individual yeah. specific Someone getting stabbed to death because of their shoes getting stepped on, mm-hmm. like, is just, it's like the perfect, it's just, mwah. like, I'm, now I wish I had seen a, a, and, like, and a, a play of his. I don't know what else you want me to say. I don't know. Yeah. He's just like, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't, he doesn't even step on the shoes. As we see it in this play, like, or as in this interpretation, he doesn't really step on his shoes. It's just something that he's been concerned about because he's bought himself for this. Levi's used his money to buy himself a new pair of shiny shoes to impress these new white recording, uh, uh, people and then when they turn him down he and he's already been fired from the band so he's just nothing now like he's lost all his opportunity he immediately the, some you know the the sort of guy who's been the nicest to him i think out of all of them is the piano player who he stabs so that you know he but he keeps accusing this guy because he's sort of not the weakest but the gentlest of all the musicians mm-hmm. he's like cutter yeah. stands up to him cutter's more like the yeah. professional one who's like believes in jesus and is hardcore about that, but like piano guy, like if you watch the if you watch it like more than once, you know it's like piano guy just keeps getting dunked on by Levi and just kind of keeps allowing it to happen. Mm-hmm. Like Levi just keeps like accusing him of stuff and like then laughing along with Levi. So when this final uh, confrontation happens and we know that Levi has the knife because he's brought it out during the like you know fuck your god speech that he gives Cutter, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and tells us a horrible story about his his family and his relationship uh, with you know the people. The white people in his in his town um and what his father had to do with a smile on his face in order to like to exact his revenge um we know that knife is going to come back i mean that's the thing about theater like it's the chekhov's gun like that knife is going to come back we're just waiting for yeah. it and when he steps on his shoes and levi just blows off like he just pops off 
And the next thing you know, like the dude is just. It happens so quick. Just jabs him in the back. Well, this movie is a play. Obviously, it very much felt like a play, but there's so many there's so many play to movies that I find where it's just I'm not a huge fan of, to be honest. Yeah. And where where it's where it's just like, well, you have the opportunity to actually make it into an actual movie. Why don't you make it bigger or whatever? But this movie, it felt like a play. It it, I'm sure it was rehearsed in many ways like a play. Um, oh yeah, but he's put it on. He put it on in the public before, and the public is a yeah. very experimental kind of theater. Like I said, it's it's the place where Hamilton yeah. gets started. So they incorporate yeah. a lot of video elements into their theatrical, yeah. like into their off Broadway things. So there will be like videos in the middle of the performances. Yeah. So it's 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 mm-hmm. done very much like uh, a sort of what do you call it? Um, kind of immersive theater. Yes, absolutely, very much immersive theater. But I really enjoyed it. Not to mention, it was really, really interesting to see the how they. I, I feel like it's so annoying when I when you hear lines being like, "Oh, New York City's a character in the movie," kind of thing, or whatever it may be. Yeah. And the the recording studio is so, yeah. the, the purpose of a recording studio is obviously is to broadcast your voice nope. and yeah. the, and it broadcast your voice out there and getting your talent out there to the public essentially obviously yeah, it's on yeah. like a radio station but the purpose i mean you're you're recording something and you're making it and putting it out there for the public for someone to see you recognize you and also acknowledge you yeah. and knowing that <laughs> these people work so hard and yeah. they're just we don't want you sorry we'll take and, we'll, they, and they, they, it was rigged against them to the beginning and which is something that ma was new which is that like they they're never going to want you like they're never going to want you they're only going to want your product they're yes. ne- like that's the whole thing about his arrangement so he has different arrangements to the music than than ma has and he makes some very good arguments that like his music is more poppy it's what people are dancing to while ma's is way more bluesy and it's kind of falling behind the times and the recording mm-hmm. people are, are agreeing with him and they're saying yeah let's do your version of it and ma's saying like no i'll walk like that's yeah. just her thing She's like i don't have to do it or i'll walk and it's because like she, she might even know that like other people might like the music better the way that levi's composed it but that's not the point because the point is that it's her product for now while she still owns it and she can like record it it's her mm-hmm. product and she will do it her way whether that's the best way or not it's it's yeah. her decision to make it's her like you know it's her it's the only amount that she'll ever have you know cuz she mentions that like the recording the, the guy's and no, sorry he's not the recording uh, studio guy that's the other guy it's he's the mm-hmm. her, he's her agent and what she says yes. is at one point She's she's my agent and he's never had me over to his house except to sing for a bunch of other white folk. And she's like the most popular recording artist of like, you know, of, of that generation. You know, she's hugely successful. And yet even her own like manager or her own agent like won't have her over and isn't like working in her best interest. He keeps trying to undermine her in these kind of passive aggressive ways. Mm hmm. Um, and ways that seem really reasonable while you're watching it. You're like, God, she won't give him a break. And then you realize by the end, like, why not? Like, why exactly well, she's not giving him a break? Well, the only person that we see actively um, challenging and oh. uh, actively challenging Ma Rainey in particular is the police officer. Yeah. The white police That's officer. the only person I would say that, is, that you see actively racist. Like, 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also I thought it was like really funny because I, I meet for some reason I immediately recognized him because he's in Batman Returns. Yes. Yes. Right? That's, that's exactly what Eric said. And he's like, I want $5 million a that's, year. No, that's exactly what Eric said. And I thought that was crazy that he was able to recognize him. That's and crazy. Like, or whatever. And I was like, go me. It's <laughs> not like the fact that I couldn't recognize uh, a second. I couldn't recognize Anthony Michael Hall has been in Batman uh, Begins. I was not able to recognize that. Like, I have a blind spot when it comes to, like, those side characters in Batman for some reason. I don't know why. But, like, most times I'm able to pick out character actors, but not those times. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of them. It's, I mean, it's one of the most popular movies. So let's let's talk a little bit about the, um, let's talk a little bit. You said you had something about the makeup artist of this film. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm interested because this film looks, she looks crazy. She looks He's purposely doing up her makeup in almost like a drag-like way. Uh, yeah. It's very exaggerated. And I, I think it really kind of just comes down to makeup in the in the at that time in the in the 19, 19 teens and 1920s and 30s. It's very obviously exaggerated. A lot of the makeup was actually um, a lot of the base ingredients for makeup at that time was actually grease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because the idea was you wanted to be, especially um, a lot of the first makeup tools and actual makeup products was actually used specifically as a reaction to needing to exaggerate features for film. And let's be honest, these were not made for black people. These these products were not made yeah. for for black skin. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it's really interesting. I mean, especially because she's not she's not performing. This is before there were there were videos, so she's performing just into a microphone, and yet she's done up like sorry. Well, there. I mean, it's. I mean, she like they had they had films, obviously, in the. They, in the no, but no, they, they didn't have they didn't have film yet, especially not in recording studios. Like they are literally just recording on audio. That's like the problem. Oh yeah, like it's yeah. You're right, absolutely. Um, but the idea, like the how makeup went from exclusively before films at that or a little bit before that to being coming much more normal and more much much more normal for uh, women to use on a regular basis on a day-to-day basis become much more commonplace but as a re- but the result of the greasiness like a um, pan uh, and cakiness when it was used remained and as a result I mean like it's it's not cute it's very greasy it's like almost slapped on literally yeah. you have tools so you're just using your finger and you're just like winging it. No so I really want to like, I want to compare how she second for how because let's be honest though it's not like it's not like everyone in this movie looks like this or all the women in the movie. It's specifically her because for example her her girlfriend her lover sorry this is a really small picture uh her 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 singer is mm-hmm. looks like a normal not normal you know what I mean like she looks like somebody she's that's a little, she's a young t- late teens early twenty something thing. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's a hot young thing, but she's like, but she looks like a, you know, she's not overly done up. Even the scenes where they're sweating, because this is one of those plays where you can see everybody sweating. Uh, mm-hmm. It's definitely one of those uh, productions, but like she looks like she's, in, she looks normal. And it, it's really Chadwick and, and Viola who almost seem like they're mm-hmm. doing, they're being made to look. I, I'd say this with, with the amount of respect that I think this was intended to have, but they look grotesque. Like in a way, they look they're over, you know, the the features are over emphasized. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be that way. Yeah. I mean, you know, her to her, she's got this grill. She's she's this is not supposed to be a performance where Viola Davis looks fantastic. Yeah. You know? She is she's yeah, we're 
she's clearly trying to with her image she clearly obviously has to like glam it up to a certain time yeah yeah tomato tomato that is a movie come on guys wait, wait, wait. She, you said you said dark knight i said batman begins because i'm talking about the anthony michael hall character which i believe is batman begins but correct me if i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong I, on that. To be totally honest i have not seen dark knight returns in maybe a decade well you said dark knight because you're talking about the guy from the dark knight yeah been a very long time but actually i actually like gone back and watched that scene because i guess it's really funny with that you're right the, you were correct when you said the dark knight that's that's that movie where he he's going to turn him in uh yeah. i'm just trying to remember if, if anthony michael hall was in dark knight or batman begins but that's a side point. that's a side point <laughs> but um she is the the psychology behind the reason why she would use this exaggerated makeup is also really interesting because she she kind of brings it up a, a little bit you know she's very the way her body language and everything she's very aware obviously of her mm -hmm. of her look um of her of her size of her of her aesthetic and um and so she almost she's trying to exaggerate and um she's like sort of making them uncomfortable confrontational yeah, they, her stage makeup is the same as her regular regular day-to-day -day makeup. And it, like you said, it's very confrontational. And she kind of wants you to be like, girl, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing that you do. And as an audience member, you are in a feeling of disliking Ma from most of this movie because she is actively confrontational where everyone else in the film, especially like the, the white people, and this is where it's, it's so subversively compelling mm -hmm. is – they're acting so nice. They're bending over backwards. And there is that like police character that shows you that they're, it's not reality. Like people don't treat like black people like this, but they are bending over backwards for her. And you're just like, why is she being so awful? Why is she being so confrontational? Why is everything a fight? Um, but it's, it's, it's to serve this underlying purpose that Levi isn't able to get to until this, this very end catharsis, uh, horrifying conclusion, which is that like this little thing, like you said, that the recording studio is like its own character in this. It is because it's very claustrophobic and it's not reality. It's this little bubble mm -hmm. that they live in that the whole movie or the whole uh, play takes place in. Mm -hmm. It's this little bubble of reality that's not actually what reality is. Outside, like outside, she's going to get arrested for driving and, and talking back to a white officer. Outside, it's like this. But, uh, you know, mm -hmm. in this bubble of fame, of success, of this momentary fleeting, you know, stardom that she knows there's a price you know that there's a price on and the price has already been met like she's already passed her prime we are getting the sense that the music has moved on mm -hmm. that kids aren't listening to it as much as anymore that she is past her prime that she is physically not like you know looking as good as she used to that she's not you know performing the way that she used to but it's not you know she it doesn't matter to her i mean like it, this is the way it matters to her is that she is putting her foot down now this is her moment to enact her pound of flesh or whatever you want to call it like this is how she's getting her not even revenge but this is how she is becoming she is she is staying true to herself mm -hmm. is to, to just refuse 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 yes absolutely and be able to flex it because you see like the way she's being confrontational um, she's well, she's being confrontational uh, and trying to and getting what she wants, getting that Coca Cola, bites, acting like a diva, multiple, she, like, exactly that, uh, getting multiple uh, recordings, etc. Versus when she has that kind of similar, even slight of a similar attitude towards the cop, mm -hmm. who he he's like she is 
I don't know if you don't, you own this car. <laughs> She's yeah. like, yeah, I do. I own this car. And he's like, well, I have to check just in case. I mean, yeah. And like, I mean, like literally it's like the situation and that's, it's so perfectly put just right up front. And, that, and that's, you've got to give credit to August Wilson, unless, unless this was rearranged and, or that, that scene was added. And I don't know because I haven't seen the original play. It is like this perfect little, like little piercing of the balloon where you get like this little deflation of air being like, nope, like if there wasn't this white agent willing to like vouch for her, it doesn't matter how much money she has. It doesn't matter like how much success she has. She's just like another N word to the cops. And mm-hmm. that seems like a, a thing that is so relevant today. And, and so you see a lot of the white, like a lot of the white spectators also like watching the situation, they're kind of making a spectacle out of it. And um, we are sort of, as audience members, kind of like that's the thing. As audience members, the, the play puts us in this uncomfortable position of being kind of against Ma because we are just like, why can't she get? Just, why can't why she just be easy? Why is she making this so difficult? So it's it's a really brilliant sort of hat trick that the the movie does to make us sort of actively sort of examine our own reasoning for why we want everything to be easy, why we want you know people to just say yes and thank you and put a smile on their face and mm-hmm. just you know make everything go smoothly like why we're complicit in it yeah it's yeah it's a very complicated it, it feels like a very simple movie mm-hmm. <laughs> the more you talk about it there's more and more it's kind of it's like onions as shrek would say there's so mm-hmm. many layers there's many layers yeah <laughs> um so overall it's you know we kind of dove into our favorite characters and was there any one scene in particular that really stood out to you or did that you just really and there was like this entire movie like it just got to me like I just was like I just like I think Eric was walking in and out or maybe he he stayed for all of it I can't can't really remember because I was so tuned in but I kept doing that thing where I was like oh my god like I was like do you see what they're doing like do you see like how this you know I I was just so engaged with it and so like tuned into it that I honestly don't know if anyone was sitting there watching it with me but I definitely was like talking out loud through like most of the film like during the non-monologue parts I'd be like you see what they're doing here and I was like I wonder if that's in the play I wonder you know if the cop scene is in the play because you know that's kind of external to the universe that they're showing you like Mm -hmm. um the scene like you mentioned the scene where he hits that where he's he breaks down the door like the exit and then he just hits that wall I'm like how is that in the script like is because that shot so well like the scene where they go out and get coca-cola I mean really just the way the camera Mm -hmm. followed this story you know, a lot of times when you adapt plays, uh, there's a tendency on filmmakers' parts. A lot of times the filmmaker is the person that directed or wrote the original script. So there's a tendency to just sort of plop the camera down and shoot it like as if you're watching it as an audience in a in a movie theater or in a in a, yeah. in a show. Like you well, just plop the camera down and you just you just have your actors just walk across the stage and stuff. This camera was dynamic and moved around. It like gave you it gave you a sense of like sort of the dizzying smallness of the mm-hmm. space. Like you felt like the camera was actually in a was, drain turning. It you know? felt um, because the camera work I thought was like really interesting. And it, like you said, it, it created this idea that the, the recording studio is almost like a maze. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's got levels. Like there's these little doors. There's one scene where Levi is hooking up with, uh with the chicken. You just, you're just waiting for them to get caught. Like you're, you know, cause they're just kind of bumbling from room to room, hooking up with each other. And you're like, Ma's going to find them. And like, and they're, it's it's so loud. It's it's sorry. <laughs> and it's, it's not so much that they're loud. It's just like the room. It's almost this kind of a weird thing to kind of but say that it's almost as if the room is the 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 studio wants them to be heard. 
If well, yeah, I was about to say, it's almost like, that's the other thing is you get the sense of like being spied upon. Like you, you have this idea, even though the microphones are working, that everything's mic'd, that they can hear, you can hear them upstairs. So why couldn't they hear you downstairs when you're giving this impassioned speech about like killing white people? Like, you know, like you're just, you get the sense of like, you know, it's nowhere is a safe space to talk about some of these subjects, but Levi is just overstepping these boundaries over and over and over again and saying these things explicitly that you're only supposed to say probably like, you know, in the privacy of, you know, of, of your community or friends or whatever, like you keep on leave as again, as an audience member, you keep being like, stop it. Like, stop talking. Like, shut up, Levi. Like, don't, don't talk so loud. Don't talk too much. You're don't, making it difficult for yourself. You're making it difficult for yourself. Or not only making it difficult for yourself, you're making it difficult for us as a viewer. And like, you're making yeah. it hard to watch. And like, right. that is just such an interesting thing to examine as like a white person trying to watch this film in 2020. Well, as uh, well, hearing some of those monologues, hearing these very, oh, these, these again, soul crushing, gut wrenching um, uh, monologues from not only him but in a few other characters. It's just, it's, it's really, it's really hard to see. And whenever I hear, it's, uh, I think it's just, you know, we're kind of trained to kind of feel this way as, as not only an audience member but you know, watching movies. Is that when something like that happens, usually a bad thing's going to happen to them. <laughs> Yes. Guys, and, in case the subject's getting too heavy, I bought a puppy now, so the puppy will be the lighthearted, uh, whimsical yeah. uh, subject. Uh, so that will help detract from some of the, the darkness of, of the subject matter here. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. But anyway, go ahead. You were saying. <laughs> but that's... Uh, I just want to look at his cute face. It's her. Her name is Sammy. Sammy Sweetheart. <laughs> and that's, just, that's her, her name that she came up, and I'm, I'm keeping cute. it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that overall, my watching this, I, I feel like I, I definitely do not want to watch it again for a very long time. I, I also it immediately. I loved it. Um, I, it's, it's, I well, I also watched it just like three hours ago. Okay, so fair enough. Fair enough. You definitely need a day. Yeah, it's gonna need a little, but I feel like it's, it's definitely movie that's gonna be I'm gonna be actively thinking about for a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, it's definitely going to be a downer for sure. Obviously I am excited. Uh, something I am really, I would actually love to read is actually, I would love to read the script of this movie. That's, that's what I was going to say is I want to read the script of this movie for this actual screenplay. I also want to know more about this actual person. Like, I don't know if Levi was, I know Ma Rainey was a real person. I don't know her life story. I don't know how closely it humes to it. Um, or like, you know, this is obviously a fictionalized story that is this more of a metaphor for the, the black experience, not, not mm -hmm. in the 1910s, even though that's what said, but like but now, and not only that, not only now, like as in now when the play was written, which I believe was the sixties, but now like, as if like August Wilson could see the future and now as in like 2020, like this film is so pressing it to like 2020 and, mm -hmm. and black lives matter. And like all the, all these things, it just shows you in stark in stark contrast just like how not far we've come mm -hmm. like truly the way that we treat professionally uh professional say hey sweeter say, say, no, no no uh black athletes black performers uh you know this is rarefied stratified status we give them in a certain respect but then like on the streets you know if a cop doesn't recognize you you're you're, you're screwed you know like it's 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 a horrifying thing to think about that we have moved the needle forward not one whit like since since this play was written and since this play was uh ostensibly talking about which was like 50 years prior to that 
Yeah, I mean, it just kind of bouncing off what you what you just said is that there is this association that um, you can get out of trouble if you are a performer or if you're if you're known for your celebrity okay. status. Yeah. And and that's the and that's the reason why Ma Rainey was able to get out of that situation, her car situation with a cop earlier in the film. Um, and that's why she's able, obviously able to get away with a lot of the um, the conflicts and confrontations throughout the movie overall. And that's why, why she was able to leave the way she does the studio. Yeah, um, yeah we, we, she leaves. You know, she leaves trying to not sign over the contract. She she ultimately. I feel like the, the, the story with her is that she ultimately knows that this is her last gasp and this is her last ability to hold on to something. So she's trying not to sign the contract. They're handed her the cash. They're like, come on, like, please sign it. And she's like, send the contracts over to my place. And they're like, come on, please. And like, you see that this guy is not a bad guy. Her agent is like, the way it's done is so well because he is not a bad guy. Like you can just tell, like he's he's sympathetic to her. He he likes, you know, he, he, he likes her music. He like supports her. He's... He's probably been like the one white agent willing to take a risk on her to begin with. And he's like begging her, please, like we've given you the money. Please just do the thing that you legally have to do uh, now that we've paid you for it, which is like sign over to your songs. And she just, you know, she eventually, you know, she just kind of does. And then she kind of just disappears from the movie. Like the, the end of the movie does not have Ma Rainey. She just because and it works again as a metaphor, because the moment she signs away those songs, she is no longer a character in the story because we no longer have a need for her. That's very true. Because her 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 part is done, mm-hmm. and that's what she knew, and that's why she didn't want to sign them in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's so tragic. It's also like tragic yeah. from like a perspective of being a woman, like an old, like a woman who is growing old in like the entertainment industry. Like it's so sad. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. Or just I think uh, just women in general when it comes to aging. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh it's uh, not it's not it's not a pretty process, no pun intended for so sure. I, wanna, I, I said does it hold up? I put up this section, which we don't always do, and not to be like, wait, does a 2020 movie hold up? I, but mainly because I wanted to talk about that part about how this play was written in like I believe oh, let me double check, but I think the play was 2018. Written, the wrong. play was written in 2018. Let's see. Um I'm probably wrong. I think it takes place then. I'm not sure when it, um, when it, oh wait, I'm sorry. It was written by, yeah, it is a play the same name by August Wilson. Uh, it's a 1982 play. Oh, so I'm because You weren't like wrong because like you, you had the wrong idea. It's just, it wasn't written about the era that it would, took place in. So like mm-hmm. it was written in the eighties, but it was sort of like the crucible was written in the sixties and it was about McCarthyism, but like it's set in the olden times because the olden times is a metaphor. It's like that. So this is like written in the 80s. And that surprised me. I thought it was the 60s. I thought it was like a little bit farther back. But like, I guess August Wilson is a little bit more contemporary than I thought. But, you know, so he wrote this in the 80s about the of the struggle of, of, of black people. I mean, by that point, you had Eddie Murphy. You had these black superstar celebrities coming up in the world. And yet this there is this tension that this play needed to like sort of go back in time and sort of place in the framework of like this this one black performer who existed uh, then. Um, and so I think like, not only does it hold up, but it like keeps holding up in this really depressing way, like in this like horrifyingly prescient way that like 40 years ago, this guy predicted what was happening now because it was also what was happening in the past. It's just, yeah. Oh, it's not changed. Nothing's changed. Obviously. Um, I, I'm really talk about it. I think is that's the one thing that's, well, I'm really curious to see how this movie 
will be looked at in the next few years. Like, what is what is me the legacy of this movie? Is it gonna? Are we gonna think? Will there be an overall um, August Wilson film legacy? Uh, like adaptation will this be will this be more will this be looked at as the Chadwick Boseman movie or is this going to be looked at but as Viola Davis's movie because I I'm, I'm sure they're both going to get nominated for the Oscars obviously look I think that there's something to be said here about I know we went to this conversation last week and again I'm not the gatekeeper on this topic but I do think it's interesting to consider that like what is black cinema and there's so many movies like The Help or uh you know like movies that were directed by and written by white people about the black mm-hmm. experience that just kind of served to make white audience members feel good about themselves for having seen it. Um, and this is just not that. This is the opposite of that. And this is like, you know, this just feels more alive because of it. And I really mm-hmm. think this is going to go down as like, you know, one of these pantheon movies of, of like this high watermark of black cinema, like, you know, because it is just this beautiful, beautiful piece of like artwork that's mm-hmm. an adapt an adaptation. Like, it's just so good. It's you know, and it's, it's it's done expertly, like in the hands of somebody who obviously knows the source material and has worked with the source material on stage, but can also translate it because he's a big fan of the playwright, uh, you know, into cinematography that is compelling to watch. I really want this to be, I really want it to be a trend of more films, film adaptations of these plays. I think it's really interesting. I really, really enjoyed Fences. I had no idea what to expect going into it, but I really, really enjoyed it. Um, was Fences the year after Moonlight won for Best Picture? or the? I mean, because also, that was also a high watermark for me. And I still haven't seen Moonlight. Just the fact that like it won over La La Land, a movie where a white person explains jazz to, uh, oh my God, just don't get me started on La La Land. But the way that that movie, the way that Moonlight won was for me like one of the best moments of Academy history where it's just, you know, they start giving the speech and then whoops, nope, wrong movie. And it's this other film. And I think Fences was a year or two later. Oh, I can't forget how in Green Book we have uh, a white guy being like, being like, what do you mean you don't know white, like uh, no fried chicken? It's like your food. It's like your people's food. And you're having this life. I can't get started um, on Green Book right now. I hope that movies like this, like gave a sense of shame to to wait. Well, well particulars interesting because it was actually it was it was produced or co-produced um, by Octavia Spencer. So yeah, but she's made some bad. She's also done like Ma Ma, which is like not a great movie. She's made some really I'm weird choices. I love I Ma. Like Ma. I like Ma, but I think it's a weird exploitative like kind of film. Okay. Like, and we can get into that. But like, mm-hmm. I think Octavia Spencer makes weird ass choices in terms of what she's willing to get behind. And I think it's like I'm not sure. Like, I had a guess. I it's it's money reasons. Like, or something sounds interesting on paper, but well, in Ma. She, I mean, they were, and her like got famous from the help so you know well, do you know who directed her in the movie mom it was uh her husband right or was it a it was tie- her former, like her former roommate supposedly was it, and they I both, it was the same kind of like true crime shit all the time um he if you guys helped- haven't seen Ma, i would actually suggest seeing it i think it's actually really like fun like it's like a fun th- like thriller like it's if you like gone girl kind of stuff like it's got this this yeah. weird true crime stuff but it's just also really like it's it's got this ending where you're just kind of like what and like what it's, it really kind of falls apart in the third act like the reveal but like it's it's mm-hmm. very good uh in terms of being entertaining i do think it's also just like a weird choice for her and it's not like representative of the fact that octavia spencer not viola davis but octavia spencer sometimes mm-hmm. just chooses roles 
because she can and it's her god-given right to choose she doesn't have to stand as like a symbol yeah. for for choosing great feature films because she's a black mm-hmm. woman like she can choose yeah. as many yeah. shitty movies as you know as natalie portman or anybody else in the world like who wants a Mila Kunis, like she can do whatever she wants like she can mm-hmm. produce her own like you know um what they call it vanity projects that she finds interesting and who cares like whether we like it or not you know she's a great actress uh i'll watch her in anything yeah i i totally agree uh she's also an actress that she's Similar to, I, I kind of put her in a kind of similar category as Matt Damon or Christian Bale, where they are almost ecstatic to change their physicality. And uh, yeah, that's almost, I almost wonder if Octavia was offered this part. And, and probably not because it's Viola and Viola has this August Wilson connection with the director, but like it, it does feel like it's an Octavia kind of part. Like I feel like if Octavia, yeah, if I was casting it, I'd, I'd want to see Octavia play yeah. Ma Ring. I, I, I'm sure I, maybe I can definitely see it happening, but I, I do love she's in this film. She's because great. She, she's so great. She's physical in a way that Octavia Spencer isn't. I don't know. I mean, like the thing, I think Octavia would bring like a certain kind of like um, mischievousness to it that like it was sort really? of missing from like Viola, like it plays this very like serious. And I feel like some of the lines are written to be a little bit more tongue in cheek or like a little mm-hmm. bit more like she's having fun at the expense of these people and like, or she's like, you know, and she's trying to like eke out some enjoyment of it. And Viola plays it very, like very somber, uh, you know, which is a yeah. one take on it, you know? Yeah. I, watching Octavia. I, I can definitely see it's a very much a different interpretation of it. But again, I, when it comes to Viola Davis, between I mean, Mulroney, I associate her, I, when I think of her, I think of her sitting down, waving that fan Demanding mm-hmm. that Coca Cola, I mean, with the sweat and everything on her. I mean, oh my God. she wants. So she wants. She's doing, I don't. I don't think thing. of her shouting insults. I don't think of her being like doing X, Y, and Z. I think of the way she is glaring. That's what, that, that very sensual. Like it's. It's very mm-hmm. like you're supposed to feel it. You're supposed to feel yeah. what it's like to be in that room and to watch her mm-hmm. ticking time. Like as time ticks down watching her sort of guzzle this Coca-Cola and like on your dime. Uh, and it, it's, it's this visceral experience and it's supposed to be visceral. Uh, yeah. And it's sort of also like, it, what's also interesting is that rem- it's in hearing it, it was written in the eighties actually makes sense. Cause what it also harkens to is like this idea of like the, the superstar megalomaniac musician, like the, the who's like in the height of their, you know, she's not on mm-hmm. drugs as far as we know, but like she, they're in their height of their, you know, looking I mean, but like you know they're at their height of looking like a you know like sickly yeah. they're not looking well they're late to practice they're just acting like a crazy person and this is sort of like and she appears on face value to be just representative of that as well like she's just like mm-hmm. you, you immediately just sort of see her as somebody mm-hmm. who is difficult who is sick maybe who's like dealing with her own demons and who's just there to like make your life difficult and not like do her job and to like make your life living hell well, it definitely makes me want to go back and watch some other movies about these black uh, female performers from that time, like Bessie. I know that was a TV movie from like the mid 2010s with Queen Latifah. There was one very recently that was actually nominated for a Golden Globe. I can't remember her name. I she uh, she uh, she sang a song on Hamilton actually. <laughs> On the, the remix soundtrack, I can't remember her name. The actress, or sorry, the performer, or the about well, she the is life? she's a singer. She's never, as far as I know, acted before. Um, 
but sorry, so she's in the movie or she it's about it's about yeah, she's in the movie, but it's it's a it's a shoot, I can't remember her name. I can't guys. Guys, everyone in the chat, help me out, help a girl out. (laughs) That first time. Um now I have to look it up. Okay. Um, but uh yeah, I think I mean there's just so much of this movie that is God, and I have to tell you guys, I can't like recommend this highly enough, but I know that there's a point, there's this like saturation point of being recommended something where you're like, you're like, okay, enough. And then you start like resisting it mentally. So you just start going, okay, like I heard it's great, but like, I'm not in the mood and I don't want to feel like an asshole for not wanting to watch this movie. So I'm going to like shut down my, my overarching, like just ecstatic praise of this film and just go watch it when you feel like it, when you're up for it. Uh, if you feel sad because of Chadwick, like, just know that like, he's so alive in this film. It's like the most alive I've, I've ever seen one of his performances. Like it is kinetic. Like you just, it is like watching Mm -hmm. someone be alive and it's, it's really a beautiful, beautiful performance. I don't find it like very sad at all. Uh, except that he looks very, very skinny. You know? he, that's true and especially something else I also wanted to point out about the makeup department is that you don't you can't tell at all and apparently it's very so. very it, well I mean outside of his weight yeah um, if you know like if you hadn't you know, like, seen him like Black Panther and other movies you wouldn't know that he was that sick but like having yes. known like who Chadwick Boseman and knowing how ripped he was you know like it is he was sick during then as well though I know I'm just saying, but this was the last movie he ever did. He very clearly, mm-hmm. this was here. I'm going to pull up one last picture guys. And, and sorry that this is like sad. This is, you know, but this is, this is reality mm-hmm. and it, there's something beautiful and sad about it. But like, this is how he looks during this film. Uh, let's see. I think it's this one. Is it this one? Nope. That's the wrong one. Hold on. Let me see. Oh gosh. Okay. okay I got the wrong one. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. I got it. Let's see. Um, I got it. I got it. Uh, search Google for image. Sorry, guys. Hold on one second. <laughs> Sorry. I'm finding it. I'm finding a good picture of it. Okay. So. Big photo. Yeah, there we go. Here's one. Oh, God. He looks so he looks so ill. It makes me sad. But he is uh, beautiful. Oh, let's see. It's a really small picture. Let's see if we can actually bring it up. Uh, let's see. Let's see. That's very, very, very tiny. I'm trying to see if I can make it bigger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Way, way, way too small. Hold on. Let's see. What is like making bigger, guys? It's like um, it's like uh, Control Plus. Control Plus. There we go. There we go. Like that gives you some sense. Mm-hmm. Man is gaunt. He looks like he looks like uh, Doctor Vesuvius or whatever from the Princess and the Frog. Like he's just he's just all angles. Like a uh, he's he's does not look healthy, and yet he's giving this performance that is just so full of life. It's amazing, and it really works. It really works for the character of Levi, who is this doomed sort of like he's on this doomed sort of death trip, but doesn't realize it yet, and so it has this like jovial sort of don't look down while you're running off the cliff in a cartoon. And as long as you don't look down, you're not going to fall sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I wonder how many, I'm sure there was a few situations that did not. Um... Wait, what are you saying? That's not Chadwick. What do you mean? Chadwick? Chadwick. What do you mean? That, that's that, that, that was that, absolutely that. Chadwick Boseman. I promise you that's, that was Chadwick Boseman in that movie. Roseman, yeah, it um, was. I'm, that was so sorry, that was. Sorry, sorry to break it to you, but that was him. Um, that was. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, 
It, it looks like it's Michael. Because oh, like, he looks just like what's his name from The Wire. I see how you could think that. Uh, he looks like just Michael. Um, what's his name? Michael C. Something. But no, that's that's absolutely Chadwick here. I'll show you another uh, another side of it. The first oh, time the, I promise. Oh, that sorry. woman. Okay, though. Sorry. Yeah, but he <laughs> looks just like what's his name? Michael K. Williams from The Wire. Is that his name? Michael K. Williams. Right. I think that's what, I think that's what the guy's name is. He looks so much like him in that movie. That's in this movie. That's who he looks like. He looks like Michael K. Or Michael. I think that's his name. Michael K. Williams. Uh, sorry for getting that guy's name wrong. Uh, look at that. It's like he's literally in The Wire being uh that character uh not omar what's his name omar god i'm so bad with my wire so omar it was omar yeah omar's coming right uh Mm -hmm. so he looks just like him in this movie Mm -hmm. yeah that was not not him god you got me so scared for a second weston i was like did i pick the wrong actor but no that was i just had the wrong page up okay guys as you can tell this is these are like, I just want to also like, not to be self-congratulatory about it, but this is, you know, it's, it's hard to be a, a white person and feel like you have a, uh, any, any reason that you should be talking about these films because it's not your place to weigh in on these films. And that's something I, you know, we really, I, at least I really struggled with this month as we decided to do all black features. Uh, it, it's sort of like what, why, why should it matter what I think about, about these legendary films. But I think what I've come to realize, and, and hopefully uh, you guys feel the same way, is just sort of like, well, the fact that we're talking about them and we're we're forcing, you know, we're having these conversations about it is exactly like why, exactly why. Like we should, we shouldn't just ghettoize these things and be like, well, it's not for us. Therefore, we don't have to pay attention to it. Therefore, we don't have to watch it. We don't have to yeah. interact with it. And it's, that's, that's like an easy out. And like it's only by interacting with these things and making ourselves uncomfortable and having sort of difficult discussions that don't really feel like it's our place to weigh in. Can we like sort of move it forward? Um, and, and and hopefully you guys feel the same way too. Uh, I hope there was nothing that came off as disrespectful or presumptuous about about this uh, thing. It's it is like a fine line uh, you have to walk. Uh, you know, weighing in on movies like this that were you know as a white person or as a not black person. Um, Anyway, I, I definitely yeah. say go check it out. It's going to make you uncomfortable, but that's okay. Yeah, Yo, absolutely. It's, it's a great movie still regardless. It's, that's, that's important though. Oh, Guys, check it. Like, I'm not absolutely. kidding. Like, I haven't seen Moonlight yet, and I realize now that that's also what I need to watch this weekend is like, I need to watch Moonlight because I never saw that because, again, bummer films. I don't like – by the way, I also don't like films like about the Holocaust and like I'm Jewish. I haven't seen Schindler's List because I don't like films about bummer experiences. So I've missed a lot of black cinema and I've missed a lot of Jewish cinema. So like it's it's this kind of thing that I'm forcing myself to deal with and watching these movies during COVID doesn't feel great. Uh, but this one does. This one does – and not feel great, but it, this one does feel alive in a, a specific way mm-hmm. that I feel like is not as big of a bummer. Um but for uh, for next week, we actually don't. We, we're gonna like we're not gonna announce what movie we're gonna do for next week yet because I'm not sure if we have confirmation. But I will not, say we yeah. have a very special guest. Yeah, why don't you why don't you two say we have very movie? special guests? Well, Actually. I was gonna say in two weeks we know, right? Because we don't know. If no, we no. Next week we do have two two okay. special guests, and the week after we have another special guest. So we confirmed. We have confirmed confirmation that for, for next week. Um, that's what I want to make sure about. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Awesome. 
Okay. Then yes. why don't we say who it is, Alex? This is all Alex, by the way. Alex has been getting these guests for the show. We have some incredible people coming up. Uh, we are having Iman Frost and Abby Corinne. Yeah. They'll be on next Tuesday. Um, do we know what movie they're we're, we're doing with them? No, they have not responded with that. <laughs> I, I did yeah. tell I, I did tell I did ask them. We are covering this movie, right? And they have not responded to that one. But I okay. assume since it's the movie that they picked, and I was just reaffirming it to them. I will I am so excited to do this because I mean, uh, Eric Nerdconic uh, is an editor for Iman and Abby. I've watched some of their shows. You know, they're they're very yeah. cool. But like the list of movies they gave us for what they're interested in talking about was so eclectic. It ranged from like one end of the spectrum to like the complete opposite. Yeah, I've never like seen trauma. I've never seen like Blue Ruin and like like a like a studio ghibli movie on the same list before so <laughs> awesome and i'm really looking forward to seeing whatever we're gonna pick um and then what do we have coming up the week after alex okay guys i i feel bad i am gonna butcher her name i apologize but um if you're familiar with a show called american gods yes um, it's actually one of my favorite shows right now it's on it's actually on stars it's really okay. good check it out but no, there's a great actress no. um her name is um I, I can't, I, again, I'm sorry for butchering it. Got it got right. Her name is uh, Kayun Kim. So she plays a character, New Media, on uh, American Gods. And she's completely wonderful. She's really delightful. And she's been in a bunch of different shows and everything down there in L.A. So I'm excited. She's going to be um, picking what movie we're going to be watching on the 9th. That mm -hmm. the movie we're going to be covering on March 9th. So come on in. So stay tuned for that. I, she okay. told me she's going to be putting together some more international films. So that's excited. awesome. I think it's really good. Like, and you're like really into Alex. You, I want to say this. I don't know if it's been a year or not, but like, I, I want to say like, you know, coming up on a year. Like, I'm really so glad that we've done the show. It's really it has pushed me out of seeing these kind of movies that I kind of get in a rut of watching certain kinds of films, yeah. uh, certain kinds of uh, directors, maybe. That I, I just I have a predilection for. I maybe just watch Twin Peaks over and over again. It is so good yeah, to like have these, yeah, to have these experiences and, and to be having them with you. So uh, thank you for, for doing the show with me and for being such a good uh, co-host for the past year. Because uh, this has been such a great experience. Oh, I love you too, Drew. I do. Uh, so where can people uh, find you, Alex, if they were so inclined, which I'm sure they are? Well, heads up, we are going to have to have our, our one-year anniversary here pretty soon because oh, yeah. our first episode was actually on March 24th. Okay, so okay. So you weren't far off, Drew, so well done earlier. Um, you can actually find me right here on Twitter at Real underscore Alex Mike. You can also find me at the Call Action Podcast. I host a show called Schmobates. I'm actually going to be some in the process of moving and doing a whole bunch of stuff right now. Billy Belford is actually going to be hosting an episode of Schmobates tomorrow evening so definitely staying tuned for that he's actually going to having a few rookies come on to do debates and he's having ben bateman our tournament oh. champion the tournament champion of winners himself oh. is going to be on as guest host sorry as co -host. my new best friend slash mentor ben bateman of the dungeon yes, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hey, uh, ben, ben and dan have been so awesome like uh, it's along with mara and molly and everyone that's new in the dungeon man this team this faction, and not to like do my plug, but like, damn, this faction. If I was a betting person, I'd put money on us. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard not to bet on you guys, honestly. Actual money. Bet your actual money on us, please. And then someone buy me a dungeon mm -hmm. shirt because I need to own my own swag. I actually, I once I do um, 
once I do move to the apartment next week, I do plan on getting some Schmodown merch. So coming in. Right. No point in Since buying I've it now actually before we arrive to the wrong house. <laughs> I've never had an Schmodown episode, which is on me. That's on me for forgetting to do it. I actually feel like if I pay money into the Schmodown, I'm actually losing cash at this point. But uh, I plan on invoicing for my game coming up against uh, Josh Makuba. Uh, McCoober on sometime in March, so that's gonna be me, really fun. You mean Elliot Dewberry? No, I mean McCoober. Um, Dewberry. so that's what I'm doing, and that's gonna be my first game of the season. And if I win, we have to get married, and it's gonna be awesome. So, were you done your plugs? I am so sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's it for me, girl. That's it for me. Um, you can find me uh, here. I always forget to say please like and subscribe and comment. I'm really bad at hosting YouTube shows. So please oh, like and subscribe and comment. Um, uh, do all the things. You can follow me at patreon.com backslash video drew. Video drew is one word. Uh, so it's all caps. So that doesn't matter for Google about the caps, but I just prefer that you know that. Uh, so just type that in. You can find me on all the social networks. I'm here Mondays and Thursdays on this channel at 8 p.m. doing the uh, video chronic pop culture quizzes. Uh, we just did one on Bring It On yesterday, which was awesome. On Thursday, we're having a big one. We're doing Batman, like Tim Burton's 89 Batman. Uh, mainly because halfway through the quiz, Andres just threw it out there that the Joker from the 89 Batman was a chemist, like Jack Jack uh, Napier. And I was like, no, he's not. Like the Joker is not canonically a chemist. And anyway, this became a whole thing. It totally distracted from the quiz. I was on this war path about, about it. So... Uh, come in, go on that quiz, check it out. Uh, you can throw a couple bucks in for your favorite competitor. At the end of the night, we split the winnings between the house and the winner of the contest. Uh, it's like 20 inner geekdom style questions. In this case, about an inner geekdom movie. Uh, so that's going to be pretty fun. Um, you have all your competitors? No, not, not yet. Oh. So there's some opportunities there, people. Um, so yeah, just sign up for the Patreon. Uh, we do cinema bites. So there's a Patreon perk where you get to come on and, and suggest a movie to us, or we force you to watch a movie, which I think believe is happening with an upcoming, uh, a Patreon member pretty soon, uh, coming in March, which we'll have the schedule for shortly. Um, Sundays I do live in the dark with video drew at 9 PM, which is my kayfabe sort of between two ferns space ghost style talk show. We just had on John Roca. Um, I'm, I'm confirming right now our guest, I, I'm pretty sure I like that. I'll just throw it out. It's probably gonna be somebody from the dungeon is coming on for this week. Um, and then, yeah, I feel like, oh yeah. And check out, if you have Peacock, check out this show called RT Essentials. Uh, it's like on the Rotten Tomatoes, uh, vertical of Peacock TV. Cause that's the show that I write for Mark Ellis is the host of it. So check it out. Like, like some things right all over the internet that how good that show is and make sure that I'm still somewhat employed, uh, by the end of the month. Okay, um, I think that's it for me, dog. So we'll see you guys next week. Same time, same bat place, uh, unless there's any further notice. Cool. Bye. Bye.